0: Welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today, we're finishing our Batman Rewind project, talking about the second and final of Joel Schumacher's Batman movies, 1997's Batman and Robin. Uh, Joining me today, our Batman correspondent, he always winterizes his pipes. It's Nick Menta. Nick, what's going on? Allow me to break the ice.
1: My name (laughs) is Freeze. Learn it well, for it is the chilling sound of your doom.
0: I knew I, I knew you wouldn't disappoint there. And we have an additional guest to finish off this project. He is fresh off surveying his RBO project in South America. It's Daniel Lima. Daniel, what's going on? I,
2: I cannot do an IV impression. I can't do a uh I can't do a freeze impression, but I, I did appreciate that. And it's it's very good to be here.
0: No, thank you so much for joining. I think you're going to bring a very uh, unique perspective to this one. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Batman and Robin, as I said, is the 1997 installment into the Batman franchise. It recasts George Clooney as Batman after having uh, Val Kimmler in 1995's Batman Forever, which we talked about last week, a, a casting decision I'm sure we'll get into, but just has like a, an absolutely wild cast for a movie that, regardless, we'll talk about how how good each of us thinks it is. But, you know, the general reception at the time was incredibly bad for the amount of actors that are in this movie that are uh, just had a lot going on in the 90s. In addition to George Clooney, we uh, you have Chris O'Donnell reprising his role as Robin uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze, Uma Thurman within a few years of doing Pulp Fiction as Poison Ivy slash Dr. Pamela Isley, Alicia Silverstone as uh, Barbara Gordon slash Batgirl. So just a uh, just a really crazy cast. And again, she was two years removed from doing Clueless at that point. So just a lot of like really, really like well-known people just like popping up in this like absolutely wild movie as i noted before though, uh dr freeze is the villain he is there to uh you know he eventually ends up you know wanting to uh you know, whether we steal diamonds from Bruce Wayne or he gets, uh, bat- he, he kind of turns against Batman at the behest of Poison Ivy, who has her own agenda. So he's fighting a couple different villains in this one, uh, like he was in Batman Forever. Uh, I've already kind of at, at length in the first three of these episodes kind of uh, talked to Nick about how, like, you know, I don't know if Nick is like unabashedly like any of these first three movies are my favorite movie ever, but I think he has a certain respect for all of them and really just is fascinated by all of them, though he has expressed to me that he actually does not think this is a good movie. Uh, and so I, I, I already kind of know that. But Daniel has expressed a contrary opinion, so I'm very curious about that because it is a not only a contrary, but it's a contrarian in general to the uh, general consensus. I would say on this one. So, Daniel, I want to ask you because you started, we started talking offline a second ago about the the action in these movies, and you are a very tough critic on uh, action movies in general. I know that from talking about a lot of them with you. Uh, and my big take when we talked about Batman Forever was I just thought it was like objectively bad action. I thought the I thought Joel Schumacher cared far more about the flying Grayson scene in Batman Forever than he did about any individual actual uh, action scene in the movie and it was like wildly apparent to me and i want to know uh do you think i am wrong in that opinion because i think that action is consistent across both of these movies
2: and if so if and if, I, if i'm not wrong why do you like this movie all right well is the action good not particularly is it as bad as it was in forever no do I like the movie in spite of that? Yes. In fact, I would go so far as to say this is probably like my second favorite. I said live action when we were re- starting to record, but I think genuinely I might put this as my second favorite Batman movie. It's absolutely wild, but okay, go on. So, so here's the thing. So here's the thing. As for, you know, you asked specifically about the action because I am an action guy. To, 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 get,
0: get, to get the listeners and Nick a little context for that, I'm guessing you would say your first favorite is Batman 66. Batman 66. Okay, Adam so that's probably Batman something, you, could, it's something right. you can agree on with, Nick, before you get into... Th-
1: <laughs> well, the sensibilities do line up. I think one <laughs> executes it better than the other, but the
2: sensibilities line up, so yeah. I think one executes it better than the other, but I think that it's a, it's a close fight. I think it's a close fight. Now, here's oh the thing. Uh, it, in terms of the action, in terms of the action, you're right. This isn't like stellar action. Like, it's very, you know, choppy. The choreography is off. They do still uh, in this one shoot, Closer than you want Uh, They don't do as good a job establishing the space As you'd like to see In this sort of movie But it's not it's not terrible. Like, I think that in uh, in Forever, there's a lot of like really super close uh, shooting style. There's way too much over editing of the action, uh, editing on the hits and such. And there's not so much of that here. I think that honestly, uh, I think Forever might have been the first time, as far as I know, that Schumacher had done like a movie of this scale. I know he did The Lost Boys, but I, I honestly haven't seen it. So I think that he was kind of just learning the ropes of how to direct a movie like this in forever and here he sort of kind of gets a handle of what enough he gets enough of a handle to you know establish the space correctly in the way that you're supposed to even if it's never quite stellar but the reason why i can look past that fact is honestly this is a movie where the action is sort of not paramount this isn't john wick you know this isn't even like something like a captain america you know a captain america movie the emphasis isn't on the action set pieces; it's, it's on this world, it's on this constructed reality that uh, uh, Schumacher has devised. This mad genius, you know what I mean, in which he takes the sort of gothic vision of the Burton Batman films and turns it. Wipes full his into ass with camp. It? Yeah, well, he turns. <laughs> I wouldn't actually say wipes his it. He turns it into a camp masterpiece. He turns it into a funhouse. Uh, he he takes the the gothic architecture of the those films and he puts it in a funhouse mirror and he creates this wacky uh silly world that sort of leaps off a comic book page and uh you know i think that it's honestly like the most it's most it's the most wholly fully realized vision of gotham and of the batman universe uh that has been put to film well that's a take. Uh, uh,
0: we, we, we might need to send you what well, should. I, I, I forgot the joke. Now I'm going to edit this out. I thought there was, did he call it the cool zone or something like that? I don't know. I was going to say you need to like send you the cool zone to like uh, cool off after that hot take. Uh, put you in the cooler. I think it was work. Yeah. Damn it. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, Nick, is there something where it's like, I, I again, like you said, it, it's maybe going for some of the sensibilities of 66 does, doesn't get there. A movie that you like, is there like any one aspect of this movie where you're like, oh, I wish they just done that differently. It would have given me a lot more to hang on to.
1: Uh, yeah, so they actually made a direct-to-video animated film with Mr. Freeze as the villain in 1998 hmm. that's only about maybe an hour to an hour and a half long. And it has Batgirl in it. There's no Poison Ivy, but you can see how the constituent characters are all here. That film, which is produced by the people who made the Batman the Animated Series in the 1990s, is significantly superior in literally every way to this film that they spent in excess of $125 million on. And it's just a direct-to-video cartoon, allegedly aimed at kids. So like, there's nothing that says you can't make a good Mr. Freeze movie in the 1990s because they did it at exactly the same time. It's just not Batman and
0: I'm guessing that's that's on. Is that on uh, Max? Because there's a lot of the animated stuff on HBO Max. I wish I might be that. on Max. Um, yeah. Which one? What's the
1: name
2: of the? Do you know the name of the? the, the it's called Batman
1: movie? and Mister Freeze, Sub Zero. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, you know,
0: I remember it, it, that. It,
2: it yes. is there. Yeah, it's on Max.
0: Yeah. Okay, interesting. Uh, yeah,
2: you're already right,
1: so six minutes. Anybody who's here, if you want to watch a, a good night, late 1990s Batman Mister Freeze movie, there it is.
2: No, um, I say that if you want to see a good, you can watch that and then go watch Batman and Rob <laughs> because that kills it well okay so i, mean, I haven't uh, seen i haven't seen the animated movie to be clear uh, well, i'm just saying that i like this one yeah god i wish i'd
0: known that maybe i would have actually tried to squeeze that in even though i've had a very busy week so let me ask you about mr free specifically then nick is someone that like yeah. i mean i guess you've seen him in other incarnations then i actually didn't mind him and i did not like this movie i don't know i guess maybe i got a kick out of it because like it did it it, it it didn't look like arnold looks like in most of arnold's movies so maybe Are i was just typically blue or, or bald or somehow looked so, somewhat less jacked. I don't know. Like maybe that was where some of the CGI budget went. I don't know. Uh, and like, maybe like it was, maybe I, I didn't really have any expectations for him specifically. I just didn't think the movie was going to be good. So when I saw Arnold like looking very differently and maybe not sounding that much different from normal, but like, you know, at least having a couple of like, you know, funny, uh, gets off a few funny lines here and there and actually has somewhat more of a motivation that I could grab onto than the villains did in forever. Maybe that, all that just like made, made me so I felt more uh, I, f- I felt more entertained and engaged in that part of the movie than I honestly did in any of the Batman and Robin stuff specifically, which we can also talk about. Uh, but what w- what was your take on like, as someone that at least had this other point of reference, is this animated movie? Uh, are you just like kind of down on Arnold's performance because you just basically laughed at me when I told you last night that I was actually kind of enjoying Arnold in this?
1: <laughs> well, no. So what I would say about the Mister Freeze character in this film is that his arc is lifted directly from a cartoon an award-winning cartoon that was done in i think 1993 there's mm-hmm. an episode of batman the animated series called heart of ice written by a guy, a guy named paul dini who's done a lot of really good batman work over the years and that's where he sort of created this story of a guy whose wife has been sort of like put on ice literally and metaphorically <laughs> um and and his you know, entire reason for being as a person as a villain is to try to get her restored back to health right and that's the exact same bent they go for in this movie and it works and it's a really good story and it's it's sort of serious in this film that is completely otherwise unserious mm. um and just to to sort of piggyback off your your point about uh his one-liners and his puns if you go to YouTube, there is there are multiple supercuts of just every freeze pun in this movie. I I don't have a, a personal favorite. Cool party is always a good one for me.
2: Um, I gotta admit, my favorite is probably toward the beginning. He says, "What killed the dinosaurs?" The ice, ice age. I love that, and I love it because it's not even a joke. It's no. not even a <laughs> pun. It's just he's just stating a fact, but they sell it like a joke, and it works because it's Arnold. And he's killing the role i think that arnold schwarzenegger in this movie he is giving one of his best performances i think that it's one of the best batman villain performances of all time uh i think that it's iconic and i think that he should be heralded for it i should also point out here that i'm a huge arla schwarzenegger fan he's one of my most watched actors and i think he's one of the greatest to ever do it so
1: i would i would like to pitch twins too where it's Danny DeVito's Penguin and Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh. Mr. Freeze, oh. and we make twins oh. too. So and you know what, night,
2: bro. I still have not. I still have not seen Twins One. I still haven't Re- seen Twins. Recommended. All right, so we mm-hmm. we've I,
1: got two recommendations thus far: uh, Sub Zero and Twins. <laughs> well,
0: there you go. I mean, I I, I guess so. As far as like, I guess you'd you'd seen this other source material, Nick, where you just like you kind of have other uh, more uh, well-executed points of reference for um, Mr. Freeze. So I don't know if you have strong opinions on Arnold in general. General, is there a way you would have seen this character uh, working better for you in this movie? Would it have been with a better actor delivering those lines? Or are you not? Uh, are you not uh, inherently against having someone with uh, Arnold's uh, intonation or delivery uh, in that role?
1: I think it's a moot point. And like, mm-hmm. I, I don't mean to to completely ignore the question. That's not what they were going for. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, we can get into the production of this film, but like having a serious, really heavy film with a sympathetic protagonist or a sympathetic antagonist, I should say, is not what they were concerned with. What they were concerned with was getting this movie turned around in two years and making as many toys as they could.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so the idea that like this could have gone differently, it really couldn't have. So it's it's almost not worth the brainstorm.
0: Interesting. I mean, well, there's nothing
1: wrong with Arnold's performance. I think he's fine. I think this characterization works because, like, this really has been the basis of the Mister Freeze character for now, like three decades. Sure, you weren't yeah. going to do significantly something significantly different than
2: this. It's cool. just what everything else that would have gone on around. It is funny that like they maintain this sort of characterization because you know like I I'm not I should point out I'm not as familiar with the Batman mythos as, as you might be I've seen like a lot of the cartoons I've played like some of the Arkham games <laughs> you know but uh, and I've read some of the comics but you know I'm not a super fan but. Um, you know I am aware that like this is the characterization of Mr. Freeze he generally tends to be played far far more seriously and he's one of the most sympathetic members of the Batman rogues gallery it is funny that they maintain that sort of characterization while still going like full on in the camp and in the villainy like it doesn't admittedly it doesn't even really make sense within the context of the movie for him to have like this sort of like sympathetic backstory, this sort of loving connection to his wife, but also proudly declare himself to be evil. Um, you know, like when uh, he teams up with Poison Ivy and he's like, you know, Adam and evil. <laughs> you know? uh, it doesn't even make a lot of sense. But uh, I do agree that I think that it, it's one of those things where like this was a movie that was not it was never going to be like a, a, a uh, sort of a serious take on this character. So I think that it does genuinely work really well.
0: Well, two things one, it's really weird that, like, uh, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I agree with everything you said, yet, like, somehow, even though he murders straight up murders a lot of people, um, at least the ones that get frozen that uh can't get unfrozen, oh, no. you, like you don't know, again. The, you, missed, Sorry, oh, no, you missed
2: that. It's a they, they, they have 11 minutes every time he freezes someone, they have 11, right? Minutes exactly, to thaw yeah,
0: out. yeah. So it's basically only the people at the very end that like get, get unfrozen within 11 minutes. So everyone else he he straight up murders, uh, but like, for some reason, though, like, I actually like. You know, a lot of times like there's different kind of in, in any kind of story that involves certain villains that try to get redeemed at the end. A lot of times it just doesn't like it doesn't work for me. I'm like, I ah, know I can't get past this. This guy should have murdered too many people. Like I still struggle with the Marvel movies. Like whenever Loki pops back up, I mean, a lot of people just love him. And I'm like, yo, he murdered so many people. And in in, uh, in in the original Avengers movie, like I, I, I sorry, I can't just like get there and be all playful with them. But I was actually kind of there for like Mr. Freeze, like doing the right thing at the end in a way that like I did not expect to. I don't know why that is. Uh, But to the point that both of you guys were making about like, uh yeah maybe this isn't like a movie where you're gonna like expect them to do anything necessarily like super serious all in with that character or just like overall with the tone or anything like that i i want i want to i want to ask you guys about poison ivy because i had the thought watching this uh in the in the in again this is an absurd thought to have in a movie like this but i had i had the thought i'm wondering like i i don't even know how you guys feel about her as a character because but i wanted to talk about freeze first but i had the thought when she when when she first pops up at the uh in the, the first scene where after they've already had the whole thing go South and South America. And then she pops back up at Bruce's press conference and she starts like confronting him about like the messed up stuff that like uh, Wayne Enterprises does to the environment. And then like, eventually like they, she gets laughed off and like, he's like, Oh no, we need our diesel fuel. It does all these great things. And everyone just like, agrees with him. And I kind of had the thought there. Well, in 1997. <laughs> right. Well, I, I mean, not that it's any different from how a lot of corporations would act today, but I was Welcome just like, to 2022. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. like, but I, I had the thought like, okay, I know this is not what I'm in these movies for, but like, just like we talked about Nick last week, how like the idea of Batman going to therapy is like not a bad idea in that we haven't actually seen explored in most of the movies that like, you know, most people have seen. I was like, oh, I would kind of like the idea of like uh, Bruce Wayne's actual business dealings getting put under a real microscope. And because like we kind of just like generally it in these movies, like, oh, he's a billionaire playboy. And we just kind of like leave it at that and just accept he's a billionaire oh, wow. and, and don't look that much more into it because like there's always a scene about him like doing something for charity in every single one of these movies. And, you mm. know, I think all of us uh, without going too far into a political deep dive on this podcast, I think none of the three of us are of the opinion that like, you know, billionaires get to be billionaires by doing good stuff or that they should necessarily even exist in the first place. But we just kind of all take that as a given with Bruce Wayne. And I kind of was like, huh, you know, like maybe this could have been a more compelling villain if like we had actually got to see her like get a few more punches in on those kind of issues and maybe her in the very first scene she pops up in, she wasn't just like very, very casually like suggesting that we could like commit like a light genocide to like help the planet. And instead it just kind of like really weighs the it just kind of really tips the scales
2: against her. And I was like, man, they just kind of like laughed her off as like she fumbles the bag in that one. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking exactly the same thing. I was like, damn, you had him. you had this him, is you had, him. You had light him in the first genocide half genocide plot,
1: by the way. Yeah, you in these films. In sure. Four films, we're on our second, like ah, minor genocide, it's
0: fine. <laughs> right. So like, I don't know, I just you know, it's it's just kind of wild again cuz like Uma Thurman, I I think I mean, great actress, done done a lot of really good things and like was coming off of just an iconic role in pulp fiction. It's like, man, like either like and you know, I think the other note I wrote down was like she either like uh like really understood the assignment or it was just bad or maybe it's the same one and the same, I don't know. But like it just it just felt like it, I could never get quite on the right wavelength with her as a villain. But I want to know Daniel is someone that like really liked this movie like what did Poise I- poison ivy do for you both good and bad
2: i do think that she did understand the assignment mm-hmm. you know like she is supposed to be playing up that sort of femme fatale uh sort of characterization of poison ivy mm-hmm. um admitted like she doesn't make as much of an impression for me as mr freeze but i mean who could uh <laughs> standing next to mr freeze, standing next to arnold schwarzenegger but i do think that she does play the role very well i i, I think that um when it comes to her quips, I think they're just not as not quite as well written. I think honestly that might come. It might just be. Uh, did Schumacher write this? I no, know.
1: Akiva Goldsman did. And just briefly, this guy is like four years away from winning the Academy Award for Best Screenplay for A Beautiful Mind. That's wild. So, like,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's funny. But like, um, something I noted in Forever. Is that, I don't know, I feel like these movies, uh, in particular, uh, uh, the Schumacher Batman, are kind of, they kind of treat the women like crap. Um, like, like I remember watching, it's been a minute since I've seen Returns, but when I saw um, um, the original Batman 80, 89, like, I was like, okay, you know, I forgot, who's a love interest in that movie? Kim Basinger, Basinger. Vicky Vale. I think that Vicky Vale does have like, you know, she's got stuff going on. Like she's a more complicated character, a more complex character than than you might expect from what I vaguely remember. But like here, no, no, we're not quite. Uh, I don't really I, I I didn't necessarily have that take. I thought there was definitely
0: more going on with uh, um Mich- Michelle Pfeiffer in Returns than there was with Vicky Vale. I don't know if Nick has a strong take on that, but. I mean, well, fair. I respect all photojournalists. <laughs>
2: fair enough. But like here, I feel like just women, in, in, like in forever, like there's that thing where like immediately the psychologist is trying to have sex with Batman. He yes. jumps away from her and he, his, his first immediate response when he leaves the scene is women. So like um, I, I feel like these movies do kind of shortchange the, uh, the, the, the actresses in the films. Um, I think Alicia Silverstone does also kind of get that treatment. Um, But, uh, you know, I I think Uma does as good a job as she can with the material she's given. And she does like she is like really doing her best to sell this shit. Uh, She is she is like, you know, kind of what's it called marinating in the role. So, yeah, I I did ultimately like her. It's just it doesn't there's a bit more of a backwash, I suppose, to the performance.
0: Well, yeah. So I guess. Nick, I mean, I, I'm not going to ask you to go uh, just go in your encyclopedia of Poison Ivy depictions or anything like that, <laughs> like you like you did for Dr. Freeze. But I'm curious, uh, like how, I, mean, I, I don't know if you I mean, as I was telling Daniel before we started, I know you, you didn't even necessarily you, you might have, but you don't you don't have to rewatch these movies. So I'm wondering, like, if you did rewatch it, like did anything strike you about it in watching this again? Or is that depiction of Poison Ivy just kind of missed the mark from what you want from that?
1: I mean, I actually kind of want to echo what Daniel said in the sense that. um Everybody in this movie is doing exactly what they're being asked to do. Sure. Okay. So it's it's not really like I can look at Uma or Arnold or Alicia Silverstone or anybody else and be like, oh, there was that you individually dropped the ball, or there was there was a version of this on the paper that just didn't make it to the screen because of the choices you made. Everyone is doing exactly what they're asked. It's just that this is what they're being asked to do. Right, sure, um, and it's just a, a litany of nonsensical puns, which I mean, like I really enjoy, but um, a good movie does not necessarily make. So,
2: except for here,
1: except for except sure, for here. <laughs> well, so so is this what I want out of a, a poison ivy depiction? I mean, not really, but it it stands on its own, and I guess I would sort of pivot back to a, a little bit of what I said on the forever pod, which was just, it's nice to know. But the thing I love about Batman is how malleable all these characters are. So when you get wildly different takes on stuff, you can appreciate it for what it is. That's a lot easier to say now in 2022 than it was when this movie came out in 97. And like suddenly the future of Batman was really in jeopardy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it was quite a while before they got to make another one, right? I mean, or like yeah. you said, they, they went through a lot of different things before they... uh before they settled on Nolan, but I'm curious. And maybe this is where I actually finally ask you about Batman and Robin, which, you know, kind of funny for the fourth straight one of these movies, like, you know, the actual Batman storyline feels like it's this secondary to everything else in a way. Um, and it's funny, we, 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 we're, we're 30 minutes into this thing almost and, uh, I've, I've, or 20 minutes into this thing. And I've mentioned George Clooney like once. So right. I guess, I guess I'm curious, uh, cause I, I don't, again, as I noted in the, in the forever pod, like I, 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 I do still stand by the fact that I think like, uh, I, I think Val Kilmer is probably the least of all these actors that have actually taken on Batman, but I don't actually think, and I really like a lot more George Clooney movies, and I like Val Kilmer movies, but like I don't really think he brought anything extra to this role. And I'm wondering, is there a version of this movie where you could like see the Batman and Robin stuff just like being a stronger through line for the whole thing? And where did it fall short for you, if that's the case?
1: I mean, if if O'Donnell's depiction, or at least the way the character is written, is considerably less angsty, right? There's there's the subplot in this where Alfred gets sick and appears to be on his deathbed. And Bruce is sort of reckoning with the idea that, like, you're the only father I really ever had for the majority of my life, and now I'm going to lose you too. And, like, some of that actually has some quality emotional resonance, right? There's, there's bits of this film that work. Yeah. That's one of them. The fascinating thing about Clooney, and he's, he's been making fun of his own performance and making fun of this movie for two decades now. Hmm. But at the time, he basically goes, okay, I'm following, I'm now the third Batman in four films. Keaton started this and made it its own. Kilmer put a darker spin on this. What's Where's the only place for me to go? And that's to make it kind of considerably lighter. I think he's actually, I do have a quote here from Clooney. It says, quote, he, meaning Bruce Wayne, is a 35-year-old guy who lives in the biggest house, dates the most beautiful women, and has the best toys. No one's going to feel sorry for this guy. And I think that comes through in his depiction. Like, he plays it much lighter. I don't want to say he plays it like Adam West, but it's significantly closer to an Adam West take on the character than anything else we've seen in live television or you know, uh live film. It's weird. It's it's the introduction. I mean, from the second he's on screen, it's off. He just crashes through the window and goes, Hi, I'm Batman. <laughs> and like, and then all of a sudden we're playing hockey with a diamond and like this thing's off the rails five minutes in. But
0: God, that uh, hockey scene—I should have loved that hockey scene—and I even went back and watched ooh. it again just to like be like, did I grasp some? Did I miss something there? No, no, we're it's playing like, hockey. They just have—they have skates in the shoes that
2: they beautiful. wear around and run it's around, ab- and jump and over rooftops. It There's is absolutely ice skates in there, man. Beautiful, I love it. I actually, this, honestly, this is where I'm like, okay. When I saw that opening scene, I'm like, all right. So the action does clear up like uh it's, not, it's still not great it still has a very like pa- uh, power rangers quality very shot for tv quality to it but it's still clear you have a, a clear Is it? like continuity yeah it, there's a continuity to they clearly uh, go know. into space at one point i don't want to like we we,
1: we <laughs> probably should have touched on that immediately following the hockey game uh they get yes. i would say 90 percent of the way to space there's a rocket
2: yeah and then they uh parachute down well uh i'm sorry they uh, surfboard mr down. freeze they surf yeah they surfboard down. i'm sorry yes i'm sorry they surfboard down mr freeze flies down with wings um and they surf i don't know the what the surfboards were for i don't know what the surfboards were for they they were they're falling the i don't same. know what like, the hockey like, sticks like, were for <laughs> well that was so that they could get the the diamond i mean keep up Keep up! They're they're trying to get the diamond. They're trying to get the diamond from the from the ice gang. I love that every time someone becomes a supervillain in these movies, and not just in all these, yeah, they immediately get a gang and a couple (laughs) scantily clad gun balls for them to to hang on their arm. Every single one. But um, actually, I will say about Clooney. Honestly, like I would have opened uh opened with Clooney because I actually do quite like his performance in this. I think that he's probably like our our third best live action Batman, (laughs) like uh like you know, (laughs) like my favorite, of course, is Adam West. Give me that ranking, please. All right. Adam West is at the top. You know, he's you know, he he just nails it like every single comic beat, he's just doing exactly what needs to be done and doing it better than anyone else could no disagree do it. So that's Adam West. And then Keaton of course like I think he brings like a great humanity to the role. Yeah I mean Keaton Keaton is great. Like he, he is great in the role like he's the one he's the one actor out of all of them really outside of like maybe Adam who like I thought really brought something to the Bruce Wayne part of these movies that made them like really interesting like I love that scene where like you know he, he's having dinner with uh with uh I forgot her name already um Basically. in bat in 89 yeah. and uh sh- and and he clearly doesn't even really know the house that he's in You know what I mean? He's a stranger in this house because, you know, his real home is outside on these streets. You know what I mean? Uh, I actually quite like his what he brought to the role. Now, Bale, I find very, very boring. So he's like fourth and like Kilmer even more so. Uh, I just genuinely disliked Kilmer. So he'd be fifth. I think that Clooney, I think, honestly, it might just be the fact that he's just a very charming presence in any movie that he's in just by virtue of who he is but uh i think that he brings like a very easygoing nature to the role um i think that he does nail the lighter stuff during the batman sequences and i think that he's you know very i think he does manage to handle like the emotions of the uh batman part like with the the alfred storyline i know that earlier we were saying that like uh I think I think I actually said that the Mister Freeze part uh, with his wife is like the only bit of pathos in the movie. That's not true because the Alfred stuff is actually handled very well. I love there's like this, uh, and this is the kind of thing that like I'm I appreciate uh, the the sensibilities that Schumacher brought to the franchise because there's a scene where he's like you know reminiscing about his childhood and reminiscing about losing his parents and he's at the bed at um Alfred's bedside and he's looking out like a window or a mirror and then the it dissolves. And you see in the frame of that mirror, like him at the gravesite of his parents with Alfred. And you know, he's the only one who's there for him at the time. And it's honestly a beautifully sort of poignant moment. And it's the kind of like thing that you would never see in these more grounded, quote unquote, takes on the character that you get these days. It's a kind of like swing for the fences sort of stylistic flourish that uh, someone with the camp sensibilities of Schumacher can bring to this movie. And it it's not going to be incongruous Uh, and i think that clooney does nail those parts of the film he nails like the 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 domestic troubles with robin yeah i actually do quite like him as batman i wish he got an opportunity to do another in a way he's sort of like my my, uh mike dalton you know he's he's the 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 adult he is to batman with dalton was to to bond in that way in that way only i wish he did more
0: uh, I think uh yeah, I, I mean I, I I don't think the Dalton thing's actually a hot take. I think when I did that bod the, I similarly did this Bond project last year, kind of like we're doing the Batman project now with Fred and I think I, Elijah did that podcast too. And we like we actually really liked the, all the Dalton movies. Um, but like the uh the, I'll, I'll just note before I uh move on to the to the Robin stuff too, that like I think my favorite personal moment from Clooney in the movie was uh, and I guess it was also kind of a nice Robin moment was towards the end when like uh you know, Batgirl just all of a sudden presents themselves to her and she like reveals like, Hey, like I know who you guys are, and Clooney's like, "Oh no, now we got to kill her." But like, I like the way he kind of like delivers that. That's actually, line. Ro-
2: actually, that's where that is Robin who delivers
0: that. But line. no, I think Clooney. Like, I, I think I think Batman like agrees with him or something too. Yeah, like, he says or,
2: like he will have to kill her later. He'll yeah, have to yeah. Kill her later. We got work to do.
0: Yeah, I, I I I like that delivery. If nothing else, from Clooney though, I, I on the whole, I don't. He personally didn't do much more for me than Kilmer did. But you, you said he kind of nailed the Robin stuff, and I don't necessarily have any. My, my issue with the Robin stuff, I don't even know if it was like so much that like uh any issue with like either their performances individually, though I get what Nick's saying about the angstiness with whatever O'Donnell is trying to do in these movies. I was more like, I think it's called Batman and Robin. I think we're supposed to be very invested in this partnership that only came together at the very end of forever. And now we're supposed to be like very, uh, you know, upset by the fact that like it's fraying, but though I've never, I feel like we've never really seen it like, you know, at its best. And then all of a sudden, like now they're like at each other's necks. Largely because of this poison ivy thing where I don't think the movie is totally consistent in like the rules about how these pheromones work. And it's kind of hard to follow. Like when, when, when I, mean, I get you worried about, I mean, like, I don't know. It was just like, I had trouble with like falling when it was supposed to be like, I was there, I was there for the ice hockey.
2: Right. I was there for the they
0: poison. I needed, it out no, I, I, I already said I wasn't there for the uh, I already said I wasn't really there for the ice hockey either. I should have liked <laughs> know, that a lot more than I did. But like, no, I mean, not that I needed it to be like totally logical. But like, I mean, look, I'm if nothing else, I'm supposed to be invested in this relationship and where it's falling apart and stuff. Right. And it's hard. to. It was hard for me to understand, like when it was actually falling apart because they were legitimately having problems and when it was just because of her. And I feel mm-hmm. like they probably wanted you, you know? to think that I feel like they wanted you to actually think that there was something genuinely wrong with the relationship at times but most of the times when there was actually like a conflict, it seemed to be because uh, Robin was still under the sway of the pheromones. But it sounds like, I mean, you weren't necessarily hung up on that, Nick, even if you don't really like what they did.
1: No, not. (laughs) I was while we're talking about O'Donnell. Yeah. um, This is a quote from Chris O'Donnell from the late nineties. The first one, I felt like I was making a movie. The first one being Batman forever. The second one, I felt like I was making a toy commercial. So pretty much everybody involved in this film has no sort of issue whatsoever, apologizing for it after the fact, including the director. And who's know, apologized they, repeatedly for two. I days. know
2: he has, I know he has, and none of them should. I think that they really nailed it with this one, <laughs> but, but I do think, but, but I will say that like, yeah, I do. I think you did hit the nail on the head with the problem with the, the sort of like domestic, the, the problem with that relationship, it's narrative, um, not, it's not down to o- O'Connell or 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 Clooney really. It is down to the fact that like you're tying in this these, this trouble with their relationship with this villain who has mind control powers. So then you never have a real good sense of is the issue really their personalities clashing? Is it really down to Bruce Wayne being overprotective and O'Connell not being as uh, not being quick enough to trust him or whatever? And how much of it is down to? a villain whose superpower is literally clouding people's minds. Um, I do think that you're right in that. And I don't think that that narrative thread really works. It's just, for me, it, I'm willing to accept it because at the end of the day, this is a very silly movie. Um, and in like the, honestly, I think that it's one of those things where like you, it, the movie kind of requires you to buy into its sensibility in order for it to kind of smooth over these sorts of narrative problems. But I, I, I do wholly agree that uh, if they had uh, grounded that relationship, I mean, the rest of the movie can be as crazy as it wants to be, but I think that that's a relationship that did need some amount of, of grounding in order for it to fully work. Yeah, it's yeah, just so, so much. I, Sorry, I ahead. want to turn this around on you yeah, briefly.
1: Yeah. Compare and contrast. Oh, God. Tom Hardy's Bane with this version of this.
0: Hey, this band actually says words. Yeah. I think you, I don't know if you rewatched it after I texted you about that yesterday. Like he says monkey, he says bi- three words. He yeah. says, he says monkey business at one point. I think he says, bomb.
2: like he says bomb or bomb. gun. He says gun. I think he says he gun says, at one point. And he, he has a bomb. He does say bomb when he's planting like, the bombs. He says, bomb.
0: It's, it's, it's more like he, uh, it's more like he just like every now and then he he grabs onto like one of Poison Ivy's words. So he does more than grunt, but he like mostly grunts, but like, I mean, as I've already talked with Nick about some, like I, I, I thoroughly enjoy like these versions of Bane that I can just like laugh at. Not that I, th- not, not, not that I have anything with r- against the dark Knight rises Bane or anything like that, but like, it's, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd almost rather laugh than just like have like, it, have me be distracted by the fact that like, every time I watch that movie now that I'm like more thinking about uh, why Tom Hardy went like six years without showing his face in movies, you know? And I I, I, I I, just can't help but kind of think about that when I watch that movie, you know? Or the uh, horrors
2: of authoritarianism, that too. Well, that too, sure. I, I, I will say that um, this version of Bane, I'll admit that, uh, you know, I'm not, ten- I don't tend to be like a comics accurate sort of guy. Like, of course, I love Schwarzenegger in this movie, but um, admittedly, I do think there's, I don't know. I, I, I do wish that instead of Bane, it was like Killer Croc or something, because I actually quite like, like Bane, the character, um, I actually do think. that, I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy who thinks that Dark Knight Rises is the best of that trilogy, so um, you know that's where I'm at. But you know, he's there. He grunts. Uh, he he picks things up. He throws people around. It's go. Cool, you know, it, it I've works.
0: St- I've still only watched the for the first uh, the first season of the Harley Quinn show on HBO Max after uh, Nick recommended it. Is to my me.
2: favorite version of Bane. Have you watched any of that,
0: Daniel? I actually still haven't.
2: I've been meaning to because I've seen clips and it seems really funny.
0: I'd be curious to see what you thought of that version of Bane. If you watched it, it is probably, I I, I would actually agree with Nick. It's the best version of Bane uh, though. If you do watch it, just don't expect anything like the, uh, like the Bane in uh, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, But like, I, I don't know. I I perfectly, I I was perfectly content with this presence here, even if it kind of reminded me already of something I had seen before, since I've uh, relatively recently watched that Harley Quinn series, but uh, it just, just like a welcome addition. It's like, I, you know, again, I'm getting hung up on certain things, but like I don't even really get hung uh, that hung up upon the fact that like uh he he's just there and we just have to accept that like he'll get talked into anyone by like just being there being their lapdog and I'm, I'm just like fine with that it's kind of funny it's whatever it didn't it doesn't take away from anything like all that much my my qualms are with like just about everything else in this movie for sure i guess the next thing i would ask about then because like i mean i was kind of going to ask about like what uh uh what poison ivy didn't kind of like actually uh put her her plan and how it puts it into motion again i feel i feel uh i feel like it's a fool's errand to ask you guys to like too deeply analyze any of these story choices but uh Daniel what did you actually think of like how uh how she ultimately kind of like and I don't know unites uh with uh with Mr. Freeze aside from the Adam and evil line what did you ultimately think of like just how this movie kind of converges at the end and resolves itself I mean on the one hand it's incomprehensible but I'm guessing you found some stuff to enjoy
2: oh I mean what I found to enjoy was the experience watching it it's incomprehensible I genuinely I genuinely don't don't understand what exactly the, the villainous plot was um i know that i i mean i know that mr freeze wanted to like freeze gotham because he wanted to hold the city ransom so that he could like you know complete the research on his wife i don't remember how how a poison ivy ties into it like she well, like, goes and she asks like hey do you want to team up well and that first like, that first scene that i told you guys about her
0: whole thing was just that like look you need to take care of the environment or else like all these other evil plants are going to come devour you And uh, if the environment isn't strong, and they're like, "No, Batman's going to protect us." So her idea was, I think that you needed to kill Batman so people wouldn't rely on him to protect them. They would want the environment. Global warming, we have to kill. But
2: but, but the problem, but the problem is, she teams up with Mister Freeze. Now (laughs) if she teamed up with Firefly, I'm like, whatever. But she's teaming up with the guy who's going to create an inhospitable environment for plants too. Like (laughs) the iguanas (laughs) falling from the trees. He's going to freeze the world. Plants can't grow. She's almost they're almost all tropical plants. Like they're not going to grow if you I, it made. I was watching the scene where they team up. thinking these thoughts, <laughs> And you know what? The fact that I couldn't answer it and the fact that the movie couldn't answer it. I love it. it. I love it. In fact, it made it better. It's it's goofy. It's dumb let's just, let's just leave it at that. I'm like, yeah, perfect. I should point out, I know that I, I've implied it already enough, but I should, I should state it that I am, you know, I'm not a huge Batman guy, like I said, but you know, I am a little tired of the fact that Batman always has to be like serious these days, you know, like uh, I think it's the same sort of take outside of like the Schumacher films. Um, this same sort of take on the Batman character has been kind of the de facto portrayal of him since like the since like the, 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 the dawn of like the dark age of comics, since the, like uh, what uh, the Dark Knight Returns, since like the killing joke, you know, since like the late 80s. Uh, this is the only take on Batman that people are willing to like buy into um, outside of, you know, Schumacher. There was, I think, Brave and the Bold and uh, a couple Adam West animated movies made before he died. And I think that there's just so many like uh, uh, to, to to next point like there there's so many more takes on this character that we can have like this character allows for so much uh, diversity, uh, so many different approaches to the storylines that I, I I'm a little annoyed by the fact that we have decided that no he always has to be dark and sad and gritty. Actually, Keaton well I was talking in a recent interview about he how he met with Schumacher um, before forever and how they had creative differences over how Batman was supposed to be portrayed. And at one point, Schumacher in a meeting was he threw his arms up in the air and was like, I just don't get why this all needs to be so serious. And um, Keaton was like, are you kidding? Like, do you know how he became Batman? That was his that was his response, you know, to, to, to Schumacher's like reticence. But I read that and I'm like, yeah, no, Schumacher is absolutely right. Like at the end of the day, I get that how he became Batman, but I also get that his you know the way he chooses to deal with that pain is to dress like a bat and fight a clown like it's it, it can be silly it, it is it's, it can be silly so did you watch the lego batman because everything yeah, you're is, describing absolutely yeah, i forgot to mention that one yet yeah, that was everything that is you're either, describing
1: is what they went for
2: either my second or my third favorite batman movie um it, it's between that and this one so uh yes i do appreciate that this is a movie that like you know at the end of the day it is just going all in on the silliness all in on the camp and yes of course it is at the end of the day meant to sell toys but i don't think you can argue that there isn't you can argue whether or not that vision is good for batman or good for the character whether it fits whether it all coalesces into a in, in, into a satisfying way but you can't deny that there is a a very coherent like vision to how they're going to approach this world and these story and these characters. Like the fact that we're talking about like, you know, he's skating down like a block of ice. He's skating down dinosaurs. They're sailing, they're surfing through the wind. You know, uh, like it is goofy. It is silly. Uh, it is loud and obnoxious and, and I, I love it for it. I love th- it for.
0: Well, I think an interesting question to pose in light of uh, uh, your sol- soliloquy there is the fact that, like, I think uh, Nick likes Nick likes both versions of these movies. I mean, like, Nick is a big fan of the Nolan movies, but like, Nick also adores sixty uh, six. So I'm wondering, uh, like. But you're also like very excited about the Batman, a movie that we have been talking about for literally over three years. I'm wondering, like, do you when you hear someone like Daniel make an impassioned plea for these movie to get, get to, for these movies to get back to goofiness? Uh, what do you think when you hear that? Given that I know you're very excited for, uh, you know, The Dark Knight meets Seven or whatever we're about to get. Right. Um,
1: I'm really grateful that Chris Nolan came along and made this. laughing matter again like we can laugh about batman and robin now in a way that we we really couldn't for like eight years right because you have to consider when this movie bombed this was the only active superhero franchise at the time like the Reeves superman was done Raimi spider-man had not come along they had not launched the x-men yet so like when zack snyder makes like a sort of controversial and or bad film in 2017 No one really doubts that like Batman is coming back. No one doubts that eventually we're getting another Superman film. That was not guaranteed in 1997. So Mm. like now we can accept all this stuff for what it is because it's so varied. We can like Adam West on its own terms. We can like Tim Burton doing a weird Tim Burton movie. We can like Joel Schumacher doing Gotham on LSD. (laughs) You have the benefit of enjoying this stuff because somebody else came along and bailed it out and proved that it was economically and critically viable again. Like that wasn't the case. So I hated Batman and Robin for years because I was convinced that it's submarine the character. And like, that was what was left in people's minds. You say like, I love Batman. you're like that weird movie, (laughs) George Clooney and Chris O'Donnell. you're like, no, 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 no. Batman can be taken seriously. But Batman can be taken on its own terms across a variety of mediums, right? It's just that we needed to move beyond this to get back to something that worked to be able to appreciate this for what it is. But, well, well, I
2: would say that, A, it does. I would say that, A, it does work. But beyond that, I do wish that. I I do hope that. Okay. Warner Brothers and and audiences roundly reject that. (laughs) Fair enough. But what I would say is that, what I'm saying is that I hope that that is the take that we have going forward, that, you know, the studio has going forward, certainly, that, there is room for multiple interpretations because as far as I can see, you know, of course you get like thrown a bone, I get thrown a bone with like Lego Batman, Mm -hmm. but, uh, and with a couple of direct to video movies, but um, on the whole, I think that the lesson learned is that we can't do this again. I think that, I think that, I don't know, like I get the sense that people are reluctant to see another Batman that takes things as, you know, not seriously, as the Schumacher Batman, as Adam West Batman. And I'm, I'm hoping that in the future we get multiple interpretations rather than just getting darker and darker and darker. I mean, we've gotten we've gone from treating Batman like a crime thriller to, you know, the the dark vision of 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 uh, of Snyder of Batman. Batman the Murderer to to uh to Batman meets meet seven and of course like I I do kind of expect the next one will be good I like Matt Reeves, um you know I think that they're going and I, I if I'm not mistaken they're taking inspiration from like the the Long Halloween,
1: Long Halloween Year One and yeah. another book called Batman Ego yeah
2: yeah so like you know like I, and those are all are all things that work the action looks good you know and I'm an action guy so like I'm I'm down for that. I just hope that in the future, this isn't the only way forward. I hope that in the future, like, you know, beyond just looking back and enjoying the breadth of the mythos and all the different approaches that have been taken. I hope that we look into the future and see multiple paths that can be taken. Well, to
0: DC's credit, it sounds like they're being pretty flexible with this whole thing. And that like, you know, who knows maybe they'll end up being a joke or two, but like, it sounded like, at least the way that was pitched when it first happened, was like that. This might just be a one-off. Like we're not that Joaquin Phoenix didn't sign a two movie deal or anything like that. It seems like it's kind of the same thing with Pattinson. So they're allowing themselves the flexibility if someone comes and puts another spin on it. Like you know, I wouldn't be so sh- completely shocked if they're like, we're gonna now. uh I mean, go make a I don't know a Taika Waititi Batman movie or something like that. I mean, I I, I don't I mean he has so much else going on. He's making a Star Wars movie or whatever. I, I was just trying to think of a a, a direct, a, a funny director that's shown they'll do big budget stuff. You know, I could get see like something of that ilk happening and then i I, it would just not be like you know totally out of the realm of possibility or whatever so i think like even if the matt reeves one is good that doesn't mean we won't get like a totally different kind of batman at the same time that like i think uh nick would also appreciate i just think you know like the it sounds like you know these more serious movies gave him like a different level of appreciation uh you know for the uh for the stuff that came before it um uh nick is there is there anything else we didn't touch on in batman and robin that you felt was important to note before you wrapped up no (laughs) no i
1: mean i i i guess the only thing to talk about is not what's in the movie but what came after it Mm -hmm. because there were actually like a variety of attempts to resurrect batman that never got made in between 97 and
0: 2005 would that have been with someone other than clooney because he had so much other stuff going on not long after this there were a variety of projects i could run
1: through them briefly if you're interested
0: Sure, yeah, okay.
1: Dan- Daniel's got a little bit of time before he has to run. Um, so there were two different iterations of what would have been Joel Schumacher's Batman 5, uh, starring Clooney in both cases. Oh. Uh, one of these was, actually, both of them were going to feature the Scarecrow as the villain. Uh, two names have been bandied about for that, like all this stuff is just based on rumor. One was Nick Cage, the other was Jeff Goldblum. Mm. Um, there was an idea that that Courtney Love was going to play Harley Quinn. I believe it was the Batman triumphant script that was allegedly going to have all the villains from the first four movies come back as part of a hallucination.
2: Oh, I have man. no idea how that gonna,
1: movie would have Oh, made. man, they weren't going to do There's not enough money in the world for that. Ooh. Like Jack and Jim Carrey are not doing the same film in 1999. There is not enough money.
0: So like you told me, apparently Jack wanted to be the Joker when they gave it to Heath Ledger.
1: He was really pissed off. Yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> so there were two different versions of that that never got made. I don't believe either of those scripts have ever come out, but I could be wrong.
2: I if looking at oh. Wikipedia. It says Batman Unchained and Batman Dark Knight. Right.
0: What, what, what if one of those had come out and then was good? Do you think we, we might not, we might not get Nolan then if that happens, right? Is there like an well, there, alternative timeline, right?
1: Well, so that's, that's why we're going through this because there are a couple other projects. These scripts do exist. Darren Aronofsky's Year One. This was. I remember that. I remember that. A rated R, ridiculous movie in which, like, Bruce is a full blown psychopath. Um, he's schizophrenic <sighs> and he's just speaking out loud to his dead father the whole time. Oh. Uh, I believe Alfred is a mechanic named Big Al. I he's remember that. Yes. Yes. And he is actually fighting crime in hockey pads in this film. I'm I'm almost positive from reading the script. This is a long time ago. That there's like a line in here where he performs like an instant tracheotomy with a knife on somebody's neck. I swear to God.
2: Uh, That's nobody. That's nobody.
1: They, they bandied around the idea of maybe doing Batman Beyond, which was a cartoon at the time. Could we do that in live action? And then there was the movie that got made years later. There was an attempt to do Batman versus Superman in the early 2000s that would have been directed by Wolfgang Peterson. Um, I believe Josh Hartnett was considered for the role of Superman at the time. Mm. This script mm. is also online um and believe it or not you like i think the concept art actually winds up in i am legend the will smith movie in 2008 <laughs> when he's walking through the town there's a billboard that has a batman versus superman logo on it and it was just like the unused concept art from the early 2000s well, I, wow. I mean
0: well you, yeah well uh written by uh, akiva goldman right yeah i believe he also yeah yeah that yeah, script. yeah.
1: So, so those are your unmade Batman projects before they finally got to the director of Memento in like January of 2003.
0: Right. So if like one of those is a hit, maybe they just don't feel the need to go in that direction and grab Nolan or something. If like they're like they got something really good going and they want to hire Joel Schumacher for a sixth or something like that. There's a world in which that happens if like one of those just ends up being a hit, which would be kind of like a crazy alternate reality. Right. And we just never get
1: any of what we got there after.
0: Mm interesting yeah I mean yeah I I was just kind of fascinated when I saw like the the, one of the the, there's a couple shots in this movie that like really stuck out to me like one where they all put their hands in for the big high five at the end and then when then when they're like kind of all running and you see the silhouettes and I'm like wow like they were really felt like they were like building towards something possibly when they made this though it's like kind of hard to like wrap your mind around that when you like look at George Clooney's filmography and in the next like three years after this movie came out he's in like the thin red line out of sight three kings oh brother we're at that perfect storm and then like uh or and then a year after that ocean's 11 it's like he had so much else going on it's like kind of why there could have been some weird kind of chain reaction if he had just signed on to another batman movie and end up having to spend a bunch of time doing that you know
1: and this didn't hurt his career clearly as you just outlined um, right
0: and whereas like did we ever i mean i, I don't no, don't feel bad for chris o'donnell like the dude i i like, looked him up the other day. I'm like i think he's in something isn't he Like he's like on some network thing he's yeah csi, he's probably, CSI.
2: Yeah, he's like
0: NCSI Los Angeles, probably like making like gobs of money, like so much money because he's been on it for like 13 years and it's probably all sorts of syndicated. good for him. But like, yeah, it's you know, he wasn't really heard from in movies again, whereas like it it all worked out. uh, uh, I'd say, okay for uh, George Clooney and uh, Uma Thurman. Uh, uh, Yeah, (laughs) kids made
2: it. Those kids yeah, it.
0: Daniel. I, I know you. I know you. Again, unlike Nick and I, like quite enjoyed this movie. So I want to give you one more chance. Is there anything else I didn't ask you about, or any other uh, parts of the movie that you thought were particularly fun for you that we didn't actually end up talking about?
2: No, I think that we talked about all the things. Yeah. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, this is something that, that that does really call for being experienced. I think that you need to go into it with this right sort of mindset. You know, you would have to understand that they're going for. So don't go into entirely. it wanting
0: a uh, a really insightful movie about global warming like I did.
2: <laughs> yeah, not not quite. Although I will say in that respect, I still prefer this to Don't Look Up. Uh, mm,
0: God, I actually have to. I actually have to think about that pretty hard. That's I an insult. Know. That's an insult. Yeah. That's an insult. That hurts.
1: <laughs> that hurts. Correct me uh, if I'm wrong. There is a line in this movie where Mr. Freeze actually says, "Stop global global warming. Start global cooling." <sighs> Ooh, I don't know I, I might have missed that. I don't remember that line. But, is that a different but, movie or is that this movie? I don't know. I, it's a I, movie. D- I think it's this. I don't movie. know. Oh, no, I
0: actually yeah, had the I M- hope so. No, I don't know. I have the quote. Cl- if, if, if that is in there, it didn't make the list of 105 quotes of from Batman and Robin on IMDb. So I don't know. <laughs> um, But uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Daniel. Were you going to say anything but,
2: else? Oh, no, no, no. I was just saying that like, yeah, I, I do think I do recommend very strongly that people actually go and watch this actually watch this movie and try to watch it with that kind of right frame of mind because i do think that this is genuinely like a camp masterpiece Uh, i think it's one of the best movies of the 90s i think it's one of the best superhero movies ever made and i think it's one of the the best works in the batman universe all right quick
1: correction for me that was actually the penguin in, in
2: batman returns ah they missed an opportunity missed an opportunity for so, ahead of his nice time
0: callback. i mean global warming was barely a term in 1992 so uh, yeah. uh good g- good on them for being ahead of the t- time there um okay guys uh again like i yeah i didn't really like this movie i don't really have much to add uh i, I, I do I, have I, a I, final thought yeah 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 uh
1: it is 10 08 on tuesday february 8th and ben simmons is still a sixer
2: oh god damn it uh, i do yeah, have a so final thinking thought thinking. i i also do have a final thought yeah Billy Eichner should be the next Batman. I think that he's perfect for the role. I think he can match that camp sensibility that the character needs right now. I think that honestly, like I've seen him handle dramatic stuff pretty well at this point. Billy Eichner needs to be the next Batman.
0: Not for nothing, he was the best part of the uh, the Lion King CGI fest that they put out on Disney a few years. Uh, Disney put um, out in 2019. So what an audition! um okay that's that that's certainly a thought and you know there might we might we honestly though like if robert pattinson's like i want to go do other things like we could be have we could be within a year of an announcement from like another batman i'm sure they're gonna like have some other kind of batman movie in the works and if robert pattinson just wanted to do a one and done as it seems like they might have promised him the option to when he first signed on like we might be within a year of getting another batman who knows what direction they'll go in with that but uh i i guess we'll see um all right uh I guess uh, within a week of people listening to this, they will probably be hearing a podcast about, or maybe two weeks, depending on uh, scheduling. They'll probably be hearing a podcast on uh, Nick and I talking about the Batman. But uh, Nick, is there anything else you want to recommend to people, whether it be something you think is worth checking out, like uh, before they see the Batman or just anything else you've been watching recently, anything else you want to recommend before we sign off?
1: I will always recommend the lighthouse. Watch the lighthouse
0: okay interesting yeah I, I, I forgot you told me you had caught up on that and you're doing your patents and homework uh yes it's an interesting recommendation uh very uh, just a, a wild movie for anyone that hasn't seen it uh but like it's certainly worth checking out
1: i'd also i guess if we're doing the patents and thing watch good time uh mm-hmm. by the safety brothers who also did uncut gems i will say that i enjoy pattinson's performance in it more than i enjoy the movie itself mm-hmm. uh but it i like Imagine taking the anxiety and stress of uncut gems and removing any of the constituent humor
0: and adding that's, in like, that's a good a, time and adding in a just a, an insane score. Um, that yeah. like just doesn't like this grabs you by the opels and doesn't let you go. Uh, Daniel, uh, I mean, do you have anything you want to recommend that you've either been, uh, watching recently or anything else that you want to bring
2: to our attention? I know you're, you know, watching a bunch of stuff as always. Well, I haven't been watching that that much recently, but I did run through the first season of Reacher on Amazon Prime, mm. uh, which is, you know, like an adaptation of the the, the books, the, the Jack Reacher books uh, previously adapted into those Tom Cruise movies. This one's closer to the character from what I hear. I've never read the books. Uh, he's very large and very strong. Uh, he walks into a town, gets caught up in a murder investigation. He kind of just bulldozes his way through this criminal conspiracy. So much of this show rides on the fact that this is a very large man. There's a very big man, he's very (laughs) huge, he's very strong, and he doesn't fuck around. Like so much of the the, the show is just that, that if you're willing to key into that and that sort of 90s action or 80s action hero sensibility, uh, you're gonna be in for a good time. The actual conspiracy, yeah. But, the, but the action is good. It's got a good sense of uh, personality to it. I actually did quite like it. And as for movies, I will say that I rewatched uh, Ninja in the Dragon's Den, which is a 1982 uh, martial arts film. Uh, it stars Conan Lee, Hiroyoku Sonata, Huang Jing Li, like three of the greatest to ever do it. Um, and it's just got some of the craziest choreography you'll ever find in a movie. There's a fight scene on stilts where they're actually like doing flips. And, and, you know, flying through the air on stilts. It's incredible to see. Uh, and it's like 90 minutes long and you can find it on YouTube. That's Ninja in the Dragon's Den.
0: Well, I'll recommend it i'll recommend a movie from each day so that is twice as long i saw i saw drive my car on sunday i drove oh, you to, did I, I yeah i messaged you about it yeah if you if you had been like hey i'll drive down i would i would have gone with you but you never messaged me back so Damn, i didn't
2: see it my bad yeah
0: yeah well i mean i it, it, it came to my it's it stayed in my fort Lauderdale theater for like a week longer than i thought i was going to like they they had it messed up on their website they made it seem like it was just a friday thing and they kept it for another weekend so i drove down to like 50 miles or 50 miles down to fort Lauderdale, or and actually like sat through it on a sunday night and uh I mean, I'm going to have a podcast on it now, like in the next two weeks, because it got nominated for Best Picture, which I mean, like, you know, you don't see that every year where a foreign film like a foreign language film breaks through in Best Picture like Parasite
2: did. So, uh, I mean, I I I actually did tell Lubin that I thought that this was going to make it.
0: Yeah, well I I, so, so yeah, it did and I mean I I'll, I'll confess to saying I, I wasn't necessarily as blown away as I hoped I would be given the way I'd heard other people talking about it but it is still like very good and very worth checking out and even if like a you know it might not seem like like just like a a 3-hour uh a 3-hour Japanese movie about grief and you know over and just like kind of persevering through life and uh uh is is maybe not your thing it, there's certainly more to it than that even if that might be the surface level pitch you're hearing but if a theater near you has it you should just go see it because uh I, you should support your local theaters like actually taking a chance to get movies like that because maybe the next one you'll like even more and i'm glad i went all the way down there to this uh, movie and theater in fort Lauderdale called the this gateway theater in fort Lauderdale like has it in like has like gets a couple of the popular stuff but gets one other thing and it's like okay it's cool that you devote one of your theaters to something that like a movie that is so long and foreign and but it's so long that like you're gonna have like less time for different showings than you are for like other movies that are like two hours to an hour and 40 minutes long so I think it's cool they got it drive my car is like in like yeah it is kind of slow for three hours but like it builds toward towards a couple of like very powerful scenes that are some of the most memorable scenes uh from the year in movies. so not an undeserved Oscar nomination and it also got in in like director and writing and uh obviously a foreign language film where it's probably going to win. So uh, just uh, definitely worth checking out if you have the chance. I'm sure it'll be on demand at some point before the Oscars, but if you see one of your theaters has it, I recommend doing that. Uh, Nick, before we sign off, any uh, any anything else you want to plug personally, social media, anything like that?
1: I would like to trade Ben Simmons.
0: Okay, there you go. If uh uh you can probably you can probably <laughs> I would, find I Nick. would like to plug trading Ben Simmons. Yeah, you can like we uh, the, the, the the trade deadline will have passed by well, well passed by the time people are listening to this. So if you're listening to this on like February like 27th and Ben Simmons is still a Sixer, just send out a prayer for Nick and his well being. Uh, you
1: control me at Nick on Twitter.
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, Daniel, anything you want to plug your letterbox or anything like that?
2: Yeah, letterbox felonious funk. You know it's where you can find me.
0: And there you go. As usual, I'm at Josh Chernavoy on Twitter and Letterboxd. That's J O S H J U R N O V O Y, Letterboxd for uh, my uh, month late movie reviews, where I will link, also link to the podcast and Twitter for movie takes, but also me probably complaining some about the Sixers like Nick. The podcast Twitter is at Ruan Movie Pod. Podcast emails the on movie pod at gmail.com. Send any feedback that way. Like I said, coming up next, we're probably going to have that podcast on uh, the Batman, I would think. Though I think uh, at that point, like, depending on like, where I've like gotten with like putting out the remainder of the 2021 releases uh, that might be time. I I might be holding an episode that I will be doing uh, with Daniel on the glorious return to movies for one Channing Tatum in a movie called dog. So I'm uh, very much looking forward to that. And uh, yeah. So everyone thanks to you all for listening and we will see you next time.